What is going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing Out Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. It's been a minute. I uh, I apologize. It's been kind of uh, chaos away from the field. Um, I There's been some events that have happened, and this whole announcement of me coming back and playing with Level, and it's... Uh, yeah, we had some emergency stuff at home. My wife ended up having a thyroid surgery uh, to remove a nodule. And the date of the surgery was actually on the Friday of the Philly event. So needless to say, I did not make it. And, uh, you know, always having family first. But it was, you know, a little kind of crazy, um, you know, scary situation and she's making a good recovery and coming back and you know you just try to be supportive as you can for things like that and you know put the family first so yeah it's uh but i've been going all the practices and everything like that and trying to keep up with everything going on still very excited to get back out there and just play some paintball man it's um i've been trying to scratch this itch and and finally get the opportunity to and it's um you know it's coming and um i the sacramento um minor event is coming up and i'm having complications at work with like getting off for that and everything and it's just been a headache so it's looking like the first event's going to be the uh the chicago major which i'm extremely excited for uh you know, just with the history of that event and everything. That was actually the first uh, the first professional paintball win for me was 2006 NXL Chicago with Excessive. And, um, uh, yeah, it meant a lot. And Chicago, Chicago has always meant a lot, right? It's, you know, playing with Aftershock and practicing there all the time and playing the events there every year, it's... It's just a great place. And it's it's one of those things, too, where you, like, you can drive to the event and it, it feels just more homey and kind of, uh, you know, in your backyard. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Very, very excited. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into a couple of our sponsors. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Charm City Paintball. So if you guys are interested in some headgear, make sure you check out Charm City on Facebook and Instagram. Mike is always turning out amazing headbands and headgear and he has some apparel along to go along to go with that. To go along with that. Uh, he has all kinds of custom stuff that he's making. He's also up for making custom stuff. He's he's always made uh, really cool all the concept stuff that I come that I try and come up with. He does an amazing job at actually bringing to life um, and I've been working with him on a bunch of projects with the pack bands, with the tank wrap, and uh, and a few other things that we have in the mix uh, for H2K. So um, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great. But make sure you check them out, and uh, and I'm sure you're gonna find something that you will like. We are also brought to you by Melavio. Uh, I've been a very big proponent of CBD. I I think it does great work for anxiety. Uh, for pain relief, for mellowing of the mind. And I'm, I'm really big on all that stuff. And, you know, now being uh, not a young, young buck paintball player, I'm very much into finding ways at, uh, you know, quicker recovery, um, 
easing of the tension, uh, just being nice and calm and, um, you know, playing at a level to where you have the, uh, you know, the ability and the focus uh, and the calmness to be able to, you know, bring out the best and execute and and do well. So, I mean, Melavio has always been a great supporter of paintball. They go to a bunch of local events. They go to major events. They support a bunch of paintball teams. And they just do amazing work uh, for the community. And if you want to help give back to a paintball-oriented company, uh, Melavio is where you should go. For all your CBD needs, you can find them at M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O.com. And you can find all kinds of uh, goods that you can try because they have gummies, tinctures, oils, uh, flowers, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Also, pet CBD, which helps out a ton. And you can even eat it if you want to. Don't do that. I'm not sure. um, Don't listen to that last part. (laughs) It's it's a maybe. Hard maybe. Uh, But yeah, check them out. Melavio.com. We are also brought to you by H2K Paintball. Uh, Make sure you head over to h2kpaintball.com and you can find all kinds of apparel. Uh, You can find episodes of this podcast, I believe. Uh, You can also find them at theplayingonpodcast.com. But H2K Paintball, we have a a slew of things happening and uh custom markers custom apparel we have a little uh a little tidbit of this i can't wait to talk about it man i get so giddy talking about it i cannot wait till it comes out um we're looking to release it at uh chicago this year um maybe try and have like a little just a little booth um but I'm not going to have much. Probably just have the, you know, the little thing and uh, maybe a couple other things. We'll see. We need, we'll, we'll get it going. But um, yeah, the release, we're, we're really hoping for Chicago. That's the biggest thing. So yeah, that would be sweet. Having this whole thing, having the H2K uh, paintball booth there in Chicago, which I need to get on, uh, but also having it be, my first event uh, coming back, it would be amazing. So I really, really can't wait. Um, yeah. So that is all of our sponsors. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, uh, for the support. This episode, uh, this uh, this young man has helped me out a ton and many others uh, with a lot of, uh, you know, questions in journal. He does so much. He's He wears so many hats and currently he is wearing the field owner's hat he's building a paintball player from the rec side to the competition side a paintball player's dream uh complex pretty much and he is under all getting close to his release date or his uh debut date in opening the gates and he is he just does a great job for the paintball community he also has been uh, helping out people who want or have questions want questions have questions for you know opening up a field or maybe the way to go about it or zoning questions or anything. He's been very very open and vocal about helping out other uh, individuals who are thinking about doing something uh, kind of endeavor like this and wanting to kind of take on a uh, a project 
so major like this one it's all the work that i see him doing it's it's crazy and um it's it's just this whole process what he's doing with like all the fields is insane but you know he's the one to do it for sure um but the facility is good game sports park and this episode is with mr dustin leffler so here it is yeah it's just i'm excited yeah no that's great man yeah, between that and still the whole commoditization of filling pods, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. like if you could solve those two issues, you'd be golden. So I saw one of the guys at uh, I don't know whose it was, but we had a practice, mm-hmm. and there was a guy who had a foldable hopper, like mm-hmm. a like a just not a hopper on top of a loader, but just like a hopper that had paint in it, and then it had like a sliding um, closing valve. That you hmm. you put the lip of the loader in, and then you just slide it underneath the the hopper. I've seen and it that. Fills yeah, it. I've seen that. It's it's a great idea and a great concept. Yeah. It worked really well too. Mm-hmm. That's where you just dump all the bags right into the box and use mm-hmm. the ba- box. Yeah, I've seen that. So, yeah, cool. I would say it holds probably like a thousand paintballs, mm. which is I mean plenty. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that's that's always going to be. You know, filling paint is always one of those things where it's like, you got to do it. Yep. Not not the most fun thing, but gosh. But uh, but thank you for coming on. And I haven't done a podcast in so yeah. long, dude. It feels like I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. It's weird. I have um, just been so occupied with so many things that have happened yeah. since. I mean, I, um, I ended up not going to Philly and everything because mm-hmm. of, you know, family Your issues. Life. And yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's like. I feel like everything's going by so fast, and now mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like we just announced that I was coming and playing with level, mm-hmm. and then, you know, three events later or two events later, whatever it is, and then and then the, we're, we're possibly going to play Sacramento, um, mm-hmm. and I can't make that because I did I didn't have that day down as a vacation day. This uh-huh. is why I can't wait to be self employed because it's like yeah. I I, yeah. I will approve all of my vacation days. Yeah, but it's so like Chicago's your next one. <laughs> Yeah, but Sacramento, the, <laughs> Chicago is my my one yeah. that I have vacation down for sure. Um, uh-huh. But Sacramento, I don't have anything down for that. And one of the new guys that got hired in, he put his name down for like that Friday. Ooh. And we can't have two employees down out at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. It's, it's just, a thing, man. Yeah. But so uh, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be up there. So. Oh, yeah. I'll fill your pot. No. <laughs> oh. Dude, I the work that you have been putting in has been oh, insane. Thanks, man. Yeah. Killing ourselves. Let's talk about uh, that a little bit. Yeah. What uh it's, where where are you at right now with uh with good game? Yeah, so um are we rolling yet or is it yeah. still pretty we, I mean oh, we can man, I mean I'll you? cut it I'll cut it to wherever yeah. we need it to be, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, oh man, where to start? So it's, gosh, I guess it all goes back just kind of starting out how, just kind of how it kind of paintball influenced me, I guess it's the best way to say it. So, mm-hmm. um, I grew up pretty poor. We had some kind of meager beginnings and I just happened to grow up across the street from uh, a paintball field and 
Millstadt, Illinois, Wacky Warriors uh, Paintball. Wacky Warriors? Yeah, nice. Wacky Warriors, yeah. <laughs> and it's been it's been around since like 83, I think. It's it's the one, I'm pretty sure it's the second oldest paintball field nationally. And wow. uh, uh, field owner Chris, you know, uh, great guy, just essentially kind of gave me my first job, you know, started earning some income, worked for paint, you know, kept, kept getting good, banking that cash. And then, uh, you know, that, that enabled me to, you know, meet people like still some of my closest friends, like, like Brock Jolliffe, like who was mm-hmm. on the show earlier, you know, he's, uh, uh, met him in paintball and then we got to tr- start traveling around. So for this poor kid from Southern Illinois to have this opportunity in paintball to take him all over the, around the world or around the U S was just, uh, was just amazing. So I kind of, um, you know, from a paintball perspective, kept, kept playing, kept getting better. And then as, as with anything, there's this demarcation point, right. In people's life where, um, you have to, you have to make the commitment, you know, are you going to continue to play? You're going to continue to travel, you know, school's always there. And, and for me, um, uh, I, I had to go to the school route just, you know, we were, we were kind of stuck, <laughs> uh, you know, didn't have that family help. And, uh, Continued my school route, uh, ended up knocking out a, a law degree and a PhD in computer science. So I was in school for like 10 years in a row. I was going to say and, you're in school yeah. forever probably. Yeah. And uh, came back and then all my friends were like really, really good at paintball. <laughs> like way better than <laughs> I was because they had been honing their craft. You know, Brock and Tim Jenkins, Jeff Krupa, they were just doing, uh, uh, doing you know, kind of great things. And um, so for me, it was still to come in you know, wanting to come back and play and wanting to give other people that same kind of like out, you know, d- depending on where, you know, their, their upbringing was, um, that, that paintball had given to me. So I started the, the land search and it's, it's not easy to be a field owner. I mean, <laughs> you really need, the one thing you don't want to screw up is the land that you, that you purchase, um, or that you lease. Um, uh, so, you know, first advice that was given to me, don't, don't lease land, own it outright. Because when you see paintball fields going out of business and you've seen that quite a bit over the past two years, um, it really wasn't so much a function of COVID. It was a function of those people that own that land are able to charge much, much more rent. So it priced the paintball fields essentially out of the market. Mm-hmm. So one of the, wanted to buy my land. And then the other thing is zoning and, you really need to, a lot of people, there's all these zoning laws I can go into, and I'm happy to help anybody out there that, <laughs> that, that, you know, is interested in maybe running a field, uh, as well. But, um, you know, just trying to make sure from a, a zoning perspective that can always be painful and that you're grandfathered in, uh, no matter what, they can't yank your zoning out from under you and then, and then have to close as well. So hmm. long story short, five-year search for land, finally found it. I wanted to ride on a major interstate, which I got. Um, I had, I own uh, and involved with a, with an esports team as well. So I've always been a gamer. Um, you know, I got the Nintendo back in 19, I think 80, what, 85, 87, whatever mm-hmm. that was, the first NES, Super Mario Brothers, and have just been kind of a gaming nerd since. And, and it, it had kind of struck a chord with me that I wanted you know, especially like the first person shooter video games, they are just built, uh, to, to experience in real life. And that's, that's essentially where good game sports park came from. So, uh, when you're, when you're playing esports, 
And after every game, you sign off with GG, which essentially means good game. It's kind of a sign of sportsmanship. See you again, things like that. And I felt paintball kind of kind of needed that as well. So we branded it as a, a good game sports park. And uh, we have been we closed on the land in January, started construction in March. Uh, got severely rained out for about six weeks in a row and uh, it was brutal and then uh, have been uh, uh, under construction so it's uh, 40 acres we're looking at 16 fields we'll probably roll out uh, right around eight to ten fields first Uh, and then what we want to do is continually release fields over time uh, to the community so that's our plan that's a plan yeah that's that's a giant plan and it's not like you're just opening up some you know, just some small minuscule thing you have. Mm-hmm. It is a conglomerate of like themes and just yeah. uh, between tournament play and rec play and everything you really wanted. And I, I think what's really cool about it is that you you want to be able to accommodate everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be able to because I've heard so many times and we've we've even heard it in um in our meetings when we were talking about, you know, and it's also common sense, you know, rec brings in the money. We -hmm. understand that. But we also know that where we came from, which was, Mm -hmm. and what we really enjoyed doing, like, I didn't really enjoy playing rec ball. I mean, I I enjoyed playing paintball, but it wasn't like rec ball that I enjoyed. I just wanted to like get better and compete. And it was that competitive side of paintball that really kind of hooked me. And, and, or at least drove me to continue to play and to get better. And I think incorporating and keeping the tournament side alive on that could also flourish. And um, I, I'm really glad that you, you did something like that because I, I, there's so many people out there that are like, you know, don't do the tournament side. Don't do this. All the money's in rec and this and that, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. But, it, but if too many people do that, I feel like it flushes out places to play if you do want to be competitive and it makes it very select at the fields that you can play at and not make it so local to just go do drills or just go do, you know, whatever, or even play just five on five or three on three, whatever on a, on a f- actual air ball field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, spot on. So um, kind of just, just to that point, it's to me, it's kind of, you show up in the parking lot and it's, it's choose your own adventure, right? So yeah. do you, <laughs> what, what do you want to do? And, and, how can you develop something so big? Cause it, I mean, 40 acres is a lot of development when mm-hmm. it comes to, when it comes to paintball fields. But, uh, you know, depending on what you want to play that day, uh, kind of helps inform what decisions you make and, and where you go on the field. So just as an example, for me, it was really important from like a tournament standpoint to showcase the best of whatever flavor of, of paintball that was being played. Uh, so for example, we've got two turf size 10 man fields, uh, that we have one as an airball field and one as a hyperball field. So we can show the best of X ball and then we can show the best of like mech, for example. Hmm. And we've built those, we're building those grandstands around those, uh, two fields so they can have kind of an equal, uh, equal experience there. Uh, in addition to that, you know, from a theming perspective, we've tried to tie in, well, it's not just a paintball park. I need to mention that it it is paintball, airsoft, nerf, and gel blaster are the kind of our four offerings. 
And, you know, I, I don't know as much about Airsoft, but just understanding that market, they hate to play on paintball fields. They, they at least the ones I've talked to, they don't like to get, you know, they spend hundreds of dollars on their gear and, you know, don't like to get it messy. So I don't even uh, like to get that messy <laughs> when I, I play the damn sport. Yeah. It's like, I don't, yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but there, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even, I don't like, I don't even like it when like other people are like shooting the bunkers and they don't get wiped off and my barrel and the side of my loader is dripping with everything. It's like, yeah, God damn it. But yeah. I mean, that's just personal preference. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's, and then you got, you know, pink evil st- uh, stain in your yeah. new, oh. your new camis. Right. Yeah. So, um, so what, one of the things we did, was essentially set up some fields that were uh, clean fields, right? So it's dedicated to that airsoft gel blaster and, um, nerf crowd that has no residue. And, the, that is like a, and again, we've tried to theme all of our fields around video games like uh, SimCity and and or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Lego and and Minecraft. Um, we've also picked up some some concepts like uh, Star Wars, for example. We have a, a Star Wars field. Um, we have a Mario field where it's, you know, we've essentially taken concrete pipes, we've painted them green like the old warp tubes, and and you have Bowser's castle in the middle. Um, so we have all these different different concepts to equally serve the rec crowd and the airsoft, you know, the clean clean crowd, mm-hmm. uh, without encumbering any of our business. So we can have m- multiple different things going on at the same time to where we don't have to make the choice of on the field we're doing this game this day. We can do it all concurrently. So yeah, uh, and that's probably the just the thing. space, yeah, the relative yep. space. Now you're also going to be doing um, eventually have an indoor but not per se for paintball but more or less mm-hmm. for like uh recreational baseball mm-hmm. you know soccer all that stuff yep that, that's the plan so uh next year uh and one one nice thing about this land it is in an opportunity zone um so actually ben frederick uh from farside talked to me what an opportunity again i i'm blessed to have you know as part of this process i've talked to a lot of different people about um you know their ideas uh so like i don't know and I'll come back to that question, but people I want to make sure that I shout out that have really helped me. Uh, Dave Pando over at Level Up, um, he, he was great, invited me out, gave me the full tour. Paul at, at Pinnacle, another good one. Um, Jeff at X-Factor and all the X-Factor guys have been been super helpful down there. And uh, Kenny at Asylum. Um, so I just want to you know, thank those guys specifically because owning a field is really hard. And <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's... Um, it is, it is not for the faint of heart and, um, a lot of moving parts, a lot, a lot of moving parts, a lot of concurrent things and, uh, kind of just going, uh, sorry, what was your question specifically? Um, it was about the indoor thing, but it doesn't matter because oh, it, it's going to happen yeah, next yeah. year. Yeah. It, next year. And <laughs> essentially what we're going to do is, um, uh, it's going to be indoor turf space. Dave Pando gave me the idea for it. It'll be like baseball, soccer, um, football netting that drops from the ceiling. We can throw the netting up and Section have up. indoor airsoft in there yeah, as well. So we just won't use it for paintball because indoor paintball is tough. Yeah, so, it's, it's amazing when it's done right. Yeah, but it, agreed. But being done right means a lot of work, a lot of cleanup, mm-hmm. a lot of paintball is just it's a it's a very attentive sport on even after you're done playing. You know what I mean? That's the tough part about paintball. And I think that's what that's what's so and I, I, th- I think I've talked about this before, but I think that's what makes mm-hmm. it so difficult for paintball to as far as venue goes or getting in anywhere um, 
anywhere big or anything like that. It, it, it almost has to be like fully netted off and the cleanup mm-hmm. has to be amazing and all that. There's so mm-hmm. many things logistically after you play that have to be set in place just for us to, you know, come back or for us to play. I mean, we fucked up the one field in Cleveland a few yeah. years back and it was like, it was amazing yeah. yeah, ever. So, it, but it, there's yeah. just so much that comes along with it. Um, but yeah. one thing that I'm really, I'm really glad you did was you actually took the time to, instead of going, I'm just going to open up a paintball field, maybe make a few phone calls, but I'm just going to open up a, fam- a paintball field and here we go. You know, you actually went out and spent time at these other fields with these other field no- field owners, figured out what worked, listened to what didn't work, mm-hmm. and uh, being your background, I'm just going to assume that you're you know you have pretty much knocked out all of the uh, the the things that are not going to work and made sure that what is staying is going to be opportunistic and mm-hmm. and going to move the company forward. Mm-hmm. The business, yeah, board. yeah, absolutely, and and again, I I want to honor all formats. That's one thing that really stuck with me, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, you have a love for seven man, right? So, when's the last you know good X ball seven man tournament then? You know, I want to throw that tournament, right? Yeah. Um, Ten man mech is is back with a vengeance and absolutely killing it. Uh, so, I, for me, it's again, I want to offer all the all the different flavors is is kind of the goal there. So seeing that's what's tough too. It's like, there's not a lot of facilities that can do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's just kind of single. You maybe mm-hmm. you maybe have one tournament field if you're lucky, but you know, 90 to 95% of the paintball fields are kind of just mm-hmm. all rec play, which is understandable, but mm-hmm. uh, it's also tough because you know, tournament players paintball, the tournament side, the competitive side is, is, has been really, really growing too. Mm-hmm. And and I think I'm blessed to be you know playing with the Brimstone Smoke guys right because they big shout they, out with, yeah yeah and within you know within the team they play different flavors so mm-hmm. if I ask a question you know there's different perspectives that come in and probably one of the best things I did when I started the park uh, as well was, was I just pulled a you know a clue from industry and created an advisory board right so I created an airsoft advisory board and a, and a paintball advisory board pulled in people I trusted uh, like Quinn and Iconic and John Dresser and Will at Falcon and and yourself thanks for <laughs> being part of that but absolutely just, uh you know give me the advice because it, it's like building a house right it, it's way cheaper to make the changes when you're in the construction phase mm-hmm. than trying to to make those changes uh after the fact one of the cool suggestions they, that had come in is is we wanted to build a, a, a castle and you know work with Paul at Pinnacle who built an awesome castle in, in New Jersey fabric you know we came up with our own design but my castle in the courtyard area I wanted to have a special 1v1 area because I love top gun tournaments right so so we built battle this, to the death er, uh, arena <laughs> it's like a like a Thunderdome right mm-hmm. so, so you go in there and and it's 1v1 and because it's multiple floors uh, you know, you're, it, it feels like this gladiator concept to where you're like looking down at this one V one battle and you get to see, you know, the snap shooting in real time. It, it's just going to be, it's going to be remarkable. So it, it, we kind of went a little bit overboard, but I think it's important, <laughs> um, with, uh, when you were either, showing me the concept yeah. drawings. I was like, Jesus, yeah. this thing's going to be huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, just our center field where, you know, for big games is 10 acres. I mean, that's, that's a pretty remarkable, uh, 
kind of set up they can easily hold you know a thousand players concurrently we've got castle is the first of four structures that we're essentially building but um for me it's it's not kind of a take the money and run it's continual investment in the field so any any dollar we make will go into making it a better field and a, right. and just a better experience for the players um because i mean i had an old adage like when we were playing tournaments we pull up to a field I think we talked about this before is, you know, the telltale sign of a good tournament experience is when you pull up and whether the poles are like, <laughs> you know, leaning like this or are they straight up. Um, or the nets tell- are like half yeah. up and, you know, yeah. Exactly. So it's it you can tell the field owner how much time the field owner puts in as part, uh, you know, it, as part of the doorstep. So for me, it, it was really important to have good curb appeal. We put up. 208 telephone poles and they're perfectly perfectly dead straight we had uh, uh we we just hung our netting it, it's close to two miles of netting uh, that we hung it's just just remarkable the the scale that we we've, we've gone to but i think that scale is important because again we can concur- concurrently serve all of our audiences without mm-hmm. having to choose to choose one so where did you find telephone poles and how much were they a piece yeah, so the great state of Ohio, they they all really come. Yeah, they all hey. came from there. Yeah, we have a lot so, of straight trees. <laughs> as with uh, as with anything, you know, the important part is um, in a supply chain constrained environment was to start as early as possible. So I made all my orders for almost everything like in October, and we didn't start till till March, and and stuff still rolling in. Yeah, um, you know. Uh, shout out to Planet Eclipse, for example, who got me all my. Uh, I'm using Emacs as all my run guns, so they they got me those uh, on time. Uh, those are all custom they, bodies, too, right? Uh, I'm doing a line of custom bodies. Um, for well, am of, I supposed like, to say that? Are they yeah, are, are yeah, they out? Okay. Yeah, no, it's right. okay. We we've got uh, Simon from Inceptions doing some customization on a subset of those, and we're kind of kind of trick those out. Those are going to be the upga- upgraded guns for like the bachelors in a bachelor party or the birthday kid you know yeah. it's uh so yeah i mean it's that we're trying to use the best equipment the you know the best mass shoot the best paint uh possible just because we're laser focused on customer experience i think when when customers have bad experiences at paintball field it's usually because um you know the hopper jams so we use pow loaders for example or mm-hmm. the gun doesn't work or they don't know when to get air so we're putting in uh uh close to 14 fill stations all over the field. So you don't have to walk, you know, the country mile to go get, go get air. You can, you know, really get what you need right there. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really well thought out and, you know, I can't wait to come down and check it out and, and see it firsthand and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, throw some gear on and play on it. I'm, I'm curious at the, you know, the, the retail, the inside retail areas, and all mm-hmm. that, and how the flow is going to be at you know peak hour, and uh, mm-hmm. and really see how it kind of handles that. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> you and me both. So essentially, you'll walk <laughs> in, and uh, it's an eight thousand square foot, you know, essentially warehouse that we're building. Uh, we'll have some warehousing operations, but uh, you go go in there, and you've got a um, uh, you've got a, a paintball retail store on one side, you've got an airsoft retail store on the other side. Again, choose choose which side you're on or whatever, but for runners, uh, you know, from a rental experience, some things as I kind of made the tour around paintball fields is that usually they only have like one check-in window and there's always a line, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So 
So we put in six check-in windows and based on what you're playing, that person can, uh, you know, conceivably work two different windows and get people through the line faster. Then they, they ingress into the building, they see the store. And then if it's a rental group, one of the, one of the mistakes I think we, we make from a field perspective is we give them the gun, you know, we take their waiver and we give them the gun right away. Then we do the rules. That That's always seemed backwards to me. So our, our people are going to flow into what, I, what we've done, a, a rules room. Um, so they actually get, you know, a video on what to do. They get instruction on what to do. Then they, then they go outside and then they get their marker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of the better, the better order of operations to do things. So. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Give them the information and then give them the, the goods. Yeah. Yep. And then tell them again at some point. And, so. <laughs> and continually tell them to put their goggles yeah. on and barrel bag and goggles. And, yeah. yeah. And yeah. one thing we're going to experiment with, I'm curious what you think on it. Um, so again, we're trying to adapt different video games and it's kind of video games through the eras, right? So everyone can, you know, kind of appreciate it. Although we have some franchise characters like Mario and stuff, but we've got this one field that we're, we're experimenting with, you know, kind of the Fortnite field. What we're doing is we're digging a, a trench around that field. And we haven't started construction yet, but uh, it's on our list. We'll dig a trench around it, put that dirt, kind of to the inside to build it up a little bit into an island and do a battle royale mode. So you'll essentially come to the island without a gun. There'll be treasure chests all over the place and you need to need to find a gun, shoot somebody. And when you shoot somebody, you get their gun, you know, you get their ammo. So you think that's a viable battle mode or is that too I much? think it would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. I mean, yeah. you know, conceptually it sounds great. It's just uh, execution. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just it's just yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, it's it's relative, right, to yeah. you know the gameplay of today, mm-hmm. and um, it's not like kids wouldn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. For the most part, they'd get the concept. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, for me myself, I've always, you know, I <laughs> I've secretly always wanted to play Magfed, and I've never had that experience. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a big reason why I've never played with Magfed is because when there's a when there's a game, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be the one Magfed guy and get you know absolutely annihilated by the yeah, guy true. with you know big loader. So um, I always thought it'd be cool to have kind of a Magfed day or something like that. So I, I don't know if there's enough people in the, in the St. Louis area where I'm from and where I'm building the field to support that, but I, I don't know. I just think it'd be cool. Yeah, I mean that's where you. Uh, use your resources, right? I mean, you put mm-hmm. it out there on Facebook or whatever and kind of mm-hmm. see what the feedback is and go from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I am such, like, it's crazy, though, how how the people that you meet, like, in PayPal. I was thinking about this uh, mm-hmm. the other day, and I honestly think about there it. There are all kinds of people. I think about it all the time. Oh, yeah. Because um, anything that I've wanted to, like, try and move forward, and I always try and not that I always need help, but I, I always need help. Um, but because I'm also like, I don't know everything, you know, and, and, you know, you've helped out, helped me out with, uh, with a few things and oh, thanks, which I can't wait to come out with. Yeah. And I'm Big so fortunate. Coming. Yeah. I'm so fortunate that you helped me out with that. And, um, and then you pulling me on the advisory board and just helping each other out. And it's, mm. it's amazing. The, uh, just, everything that comes along with just playing paintball itself. If I never would have played with Brimstone, you and I would have never met. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy how things happen. Um, mm-hmm. 
but what's cool is just how everybody too comes from so many different backgrounds like yourself like if i would have like i did like walk up to you and we met i don't even, i don't do you even remember how we met i don't even know how i know it was like obviously the 10 man thing but 10? i don't even know how we yeah. got to start talking like yeah. on any subject had, besides paintball you, you shared a pretty good idea um and i you know so you know, kind of my day job is, uh, you know, just as a, as a university professor, right? So one of many um, day jobs yeah. that I feel like you yeah. have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that and kind of uh, cybersecurity consultant are, are kind of my jams, but, um, but you had a really good idea. And, you know, kind of my specialty is in the intellectual property side of, of the law. And I'm like, man, you should, you should patent that or we should see some trademark on that or something like that. And, and we got to talking and, and, uh, kind of, kind of grew from there and, yeah. and you had, and you had some more ideas. <laughs> those, uh, those more ideas are about ready to, to bear some fruit here. So. Yeah. I just, I have, I, I'm always like trying to think of something. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. but then I'm also interested in like, in your background, like I know we had talked about that and like with your, um, with the law side and being, mm-hmm. you know, a patent attorney and then also being a professor mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. also being you own a pool company and then you also do cybersecurity yeah. and like, yeah. I feel like there's so much, so many things I can come to you for. Um, yeah. but I mean, how and, and what do you kind of put ahead of, of what, how do you prioritize? And I know we're kind of going away from the field, but I'm, I'm just kind mm-hmm. of interested because you, yeah. have, you have so many things going on. How do you kind of prioritize, uh, your, your days or just yourself in general throughout the year with with as many things as you have going on? Great, great question. So, um, wow. Um, I think the first thing you need to prioritize is family, right? You only have that, that amount of time with them per day schools going on. So, you know, that's, that's always been a big thing for me. Make sure you're there when, you know, before the kids go to bed, put them to bed, whatever. Um, so that that's kind of first and foremost for me. Other than that, it's uh, you know continuous learning for me has always been big. You know, first gen college grad had to had to work really hard, and that that was a work ethic that was just kind of born into me, um, or at least you know I, I learned it from my environment. And it's it, it's this I can't think of a, the right word. It's it's almost like get scrappy. So, mm-hmm. you know, in whatever you do, just get, you know, they talk about grit and things like that. It's just be scrappy, um, figure out what, for me, based on prioritization, I think about before I do anything, I almost think about, you know, it, what's going to give me the most bang for the buck and not from an economic standpoint. It's, it's mostly from like, how can I do the most good? Cause that, I mean, that's why we're doing the park. That's why we do a lot of, I do a lot of what I do is, is to create the most good, mm. um, you know, and, and there's, there's, oh man, for me, you know, people had talks with me early on is make sure you get your college education. And that's, I went and did that. And that, that served me so well, not just, you know, as, as a backup for paintball or whatever, but, um, it, it's helped me to, to, to fund this. Right. And it's helped me to provide a facility for other people that can have a similar experience. So, for prioritization for me, it's it's a daily struggle, but uh, my guiding light is is how can I do the most uh, most good? So that's that's how I do it. So yeah, and and talking about 
mm-hmm. um, talking about the college level. Um, yeah. Because I, n- I never went. I actually pursued paintball instead of going to college. Mm-hmm. But it was it wasn't like that to say like it was like college or paintball. It was just I had a small scholarship to a smaller school, sure. but it was at the exact same time when I was starting to get noticed, and yeah. and I had moved out to Seattle to like mm-hmm. just to to do something else with my life because I just sure. I got done playing uh, or I got done with high school and I just wanted to not. It was I was almost in one of those things where I didn't enjoy school. I enjoyed mm-hmm. learning. That th- this is the weird mm-hmm. thing is like. I truly enjoy learning. Like that's it really. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast too, because I'm learning mm-hmm. something about yeah. somebody else's life and just kind of seeing what I can uh, gain or how I can help. And it's just, you know, this kind of give and take, but it's just the learning side. I, I love to do, but school felt very forced. At least high school mm-hmm. for me was very like just this forced kind of learning. Um, what is your take on I know there's a big excuse me I know there's a big kind of talk about don't go to college uh oh, yeah. you don't go to college you don't don't get the in debt right away and right. kind of do this whole you know try and figure yourself out or try to figure out a way to different make, make money instead of going to college but there's so many things like obviously successful people who went through college I don't think would say that just because more than likely they're making their money from their education that they got in college and were able to pay off the debt and, or, or maybe not, or they're still paying on it or whatever. What is your take on that? And, and what advice do you have for somebody who is maybe kind of sitting in at that crossroads? Because I feel like there's, there's a lot of guys that I've heard of that are like really good at paintball but then they ended up going to school or they're trying to balance Mm -hmm. the two or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, and I'm pretty passionate about this. So sorry if I go long. No, 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 please do. So I've got a different take on it. Right. So, uh, you know, before academia, I was, I was corporate for most of my career. I was over at, um, uh, Boeing, IBM, a bunch of tech companies and and actually went to academia because the schedule is fantastic. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I work from end of August to, to end of April, and that frees up my whole summer to to run, do cybersecurity consulting, to do uh, you know run the, the the pool company and and the field. So mm-hmm. um, the schedule is pretty sweet. But for me, it's um, kind of what I'm focused on is. And as an academic, I get absolutely roasted for this by my contemporaries. Is, <laughs> you know, college isn't for everybody, right? So why? my argument is we're not promoting uh, vocational jobs enough and Europe does it so much better than we do. They actually uh, can identify people kind of early in high school um, who are more apt to go that vocational route or at least ask them to go that vocational route instead of like the typical college route. And they almost have an on-ramp for them to get into vocational programs, like true vocational programs in high school. Pardon my Uh, ignorance, but what is vocational? Yeah, vocational you... is just um, like like the trades, like uh, electrical, automotive. Okay, um, you know, just just those trades. That's kind of called vocational programs or technical. Uh, I didn't technical go to college, programs. so no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. This is the frustrating part. I, you know, we've got people, and I teach mostly grad students, so it's a little different. But um, you've got people who are spending four years in college. They come out 
you know, I'll just pick on like an art history degree, for example. Um, and, and then they're, they either have to go get a graduate degree to get a job. So that's two more years of school, two more years of tuition, or because they didn't major on the right thing. Or it, it's just, you know, you shouldn't graduate hundred grand in debt and not have any job aspirations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we have electricians that we can't place in the job at 60 to 80 to start, it just blows my mind. So I think we need to be better as a society to on-ramp people into um, programs like electrical or automotive, um, things like that, that, that they can get a job quicker and um, get that return quicker without a bunch of debt. So that's my take. Yeah, but that's I, an unpopular I've, opinion. <laughs> I, I've I've heard from a lot of people that it's tough to find anybody um, to work because there's not a lot of people going into the trades. Yep, it's it's all everybody wanting to be a creator, or wanting to be mm-hmm. wanting to live their dream from the get, you know. Mm-hmm. And instead of you know, which I'm sure there's also a lot of people out there that are like, and you know, I'm I can't say too much because you know my first job was paintball. I did a few jobs after that, but I did move away and just pursued paintball. But it also yeah. only one year it paid the bills for me when I was single mm-hmm. and was renting. A place. So it wasn't wow. a lot of money, but it would only did it for one year. Um, uh-huh. Not to saying that paintball, if you get good enough at it and noticed at it and you dedicate your life to it, that it won't accumulate more for you. But mm-hmm. um but more than likely, you're going to have to have some kind of other, uh, some kind of other supplemental income mm-hmm. for that. And, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, now I, I just hear from so many employers that there's just there's not enough people to work, and even even people that I know who have side jobs, who are uh, like, there's a friend that I ran into, and he runs a tile business, um, mm-hmm. And he says it's hard to find anybody to work because nobody nobody's paying attention. Everybody's mm-hmm. doing everything half-ass. Which I mean, could it be the case that everybody's always said that throughout the years and everything? But is it just more? Is it more relative now because there are so many distractions now, to where it's you know nobody cares about their end result. They're more worried about what they're going to do after they mm-hmm. get done doing what they have to do, and. You know, I I don't know. That's all speculation, but it's Mm -hmm. what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, even know what my point was. (laughs) No, for for me, it's I I think it should mean something somewhat, you know, coming from a person with with two doctorate degrees saying, you know, don't go to college or college might not be (laughs) (laughs) all it's cracked up to me. So why law? Why law and why IT? Yeah. So, you know, cybersecurity has just always been a passion for me. It it draws upon the same skills from a paintball perspective, right? So we fight against foreign nationals on a daily basis who are trying to to infiltrate our networks, right? Whether it be public public services or private companies. China has been exemplary in, in, you know, uh, being able to attain U.S. intellectual property and funnel that over because it's cheaper to steal stuff, steal data than to recreate it yourselves. Russians have been pretty active, um, too, in that regard, from a cybersecurity perspective. They're kind of our bigger cybersecurity opponents. But there's other countries that, you know, they might not have a huge kinetic capability in that, you know, the ability to that have bombs and things that go boom. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, they have a cyber capability that's pretty developed, like Syria, for example. Um, they're and Iran, they're getting pretty, pretty stout and pretty, pretty mature in, in cybersecurity world. So that's that offensive defensive kind of um, take on things 
has has been something ingrained for me when when I started paintball at 12 years old, right? So so mm-hmm. that kind of draws on those skills. And then law, it was essentially, you know, I was at Boeing and we were inventing some pretty, pretty cool stuff. And, and the patent council that we were utilizing was not good. So uh, another engineer and I were like, hey, man, we can do better than this. So we enrolled in St. Louis University's night program. We we uh, worked in our day jobs, um, you know, kind of a nine to five. And I went to law school at night, Monday through Thursday for four years. It was a horrible experience, but wow. you get it through at the end and. And, um, I decided patent law was for me and, and that's mostly because I, I had a specialty in, in software. So that's kind of yeah. my journey. On the IT side, is it, mm-hmm. um, are, is it you're mainly just kind of monitoring, uh, like whoever's come, whoever you're working for or whoever mm-hmm. you're hired in as, which would be the same thing. But, um, mm-hmm. Are you just looking for like maybe kind of breaks in the wall that people are, and I don't even know how to describe it because I have yeah. no idea what <laughs> I'm talking about. Yeah, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. So there's there's alerts that come in. You and it comes to prioritization, which we talked about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And you you go through that prioritization of what that alert is, and then that kind of sets up what your response is and whether you need to investigate more. Um, it's it's you know cybersecurity for example there's there's a massive need that needs going to only continue to grow i think mm-hmm. that's a good career field to go into there's other career fields and this is just me on my soapbox a little bit that may not be great to go into like a travel agent for example that's <laughs> that's a skill that's going away and is that still a and, thing i don't even know yeah. <laughs> and then you know the one one that you know kind of my friend owns a car dealer for example and he's really scared about um uh, about electric cars. So he makes a, as a car dealer, he makes very little of his revenue off the new car sales or used car sales. The bulk of it is off service, um, to the tune of about 80, 90% of his revenue is service based. Hmm. And, um, the average car has, and I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but, uh, the number of serviceable parts in an internable combustible engine car. So like a gasoline car is like, uh, let's say it's like, 5,000 pieces can go wrong. So from a service perspective, that's pretty cool because they can, you know, service a lot of things and keep that dealership going. But as we pivot as a society to electric cars, um, that list goes from like 5,000 to like 30. (laughs) So there's less serviceable parts that are going to happen. So what's going to happen with all those people that are auto mechanics, for example, right? You know, are they going to go into diesel or whatever? Um, we had a, uh, the Chrysler plant actually closed down here in the St. Louis area and we had a bundle, uh, had several electricians, 30 electricians that we, we took and, uh, we taught those electricians basic coding skills and they're all, they're all, uh, software developers now. So really, you know, they just had that technical mindset and they, they all picked it up really quickly and, uh, you know, they've improved their station in life. So it's just cool how people pivot and morph through through life. It's it's awesome. I always get reminded almost every other day that I need to learn how to code. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like I feel like I always get reminded to do that. Yeah. Um but you, on an electric car and I don't know if you would yeah. know this. It's just mm-hmm. a random thought. But yeah, I'm a Tesla fanboy. So <laughs> that's, that's the scope of my uh knowledge. I was so intrigued by uh I'm so intrigued by electric cars too. There was actually a job opening for a Tesla service technician that I applied for, but obviously I have no like 
no uh, history with like servicing cars or anything like that. So obviously uh-huh. I didn't get the job, but it was so intriguing just because, you know, I think it's amazing what's happening. But could it be that or would it be that like, let's say what what would break down or what would need to get serviced um, if that part needs to be replaced? Would that be so expensive to where it would kind of make up for? you know, the million small pieces that a combustion engine has? Yeah, I think you're spot on there. So, like, for example, the the biggest serviceable part on a Tesla, for example, is the battery. Uh, The the 12-volt battery. (laughs) Well, the the big battery uh, (laughs) on the bottom that's the whole length of the car. So that lithium lithium battery, uh, I forgot what it is, but it's a ten dollars to $15,000 repair. So that's a big one. So... How Tesla kind of counteracts that is they put a ten-year warranty on that part, so they'll they'll eat it for um, you know that that's a lot of money <laughs> and that that's is. a lot of risk that people pe- people aren't you know usually willing to take. So that's kind of I think gotten the fear away from um, you know taking on an electric car. The other one is ra- you know this concept of range anxiety. So mm-hmm. you know there's. I can go and drive like I, I drive mine to um, ICC in the Pittsburgh Open in Pittsburgh every year. So, you know, some people freak out that you're going to drive an electric car that far from St. Louis to, to Pittsburgh, but it's really not that big of a deal. I just, you know, stop and charge just like I would a gas stop. It's a 10 to 15 minute charge experience. I'm on my way. It's it's very comparable experience. And I'm usually traveling at about a third of the cost as gasoline. Well, and now probably a fifth of the cost as gasoline. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you think it's ever going to be where you're going to have to pay? Um, uh, well, some people do get charged at the Tesla superchargers. Some people are grandfathered in to where it's for, to where it's free. So it's kind of what deal you got with what. And this is just from the Tesla perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Ford, for example, they've got a million pre-orders on the F one fifty Lightning, and it's just. People are taking to an electric Ford F-150, which is the most popular car in America and has been forever. Um, so for Ford to you know, create an electric version of that, that's a risk. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's caught on, man. And I think the electric car revolution, you know, it, it's going to be just like the smartphone revolution. It, over a three year period, you went from everybody having flip phones to everybody having a smartphone. And I think. Electric cars will probably won't go that quick just because of the cost of the good. But I think it's going to go, you know, some people are saying 20 years from now. I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be much quicker than that. And I think the gas prices, you know, that we're currently seeing are only going to accelerate that trend. So I would say probably within 10 years. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day, you know, I've, with my with my five-year-old, for example, I'm like, I'm probably never going to have to teach the five-year-old how to drive. I think that autonomous technology will be that good by the time you know 11 years from now when she's 16 and can drive Mm -hmm. um that you know it's going to be going to be hands off for me just (laughs) you know and maybe we won't even have cars maybe we'll just adopt the uber model to where you know if i need to go to work and uber picks me up autonomous uber picks me up and takes me to work you know think about that car at you as an asset um, you take it, you drive it to work, it sits all day and you bring it home, you know, you drive it 15 minutes home and it sits in your garage. So that's, that's a lot of money sitting there. So it is, but you know what I think, you know what I think it is? It's, it's freedom. Mm-hmm. It's right? cultural in America specifically. Yeah. It's having yeah. that. It's, it's having that, having one for yourself. 
Because, there, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when there definitely were not as many cars on the road. And there was only one car, maybe two cars, but mostly one car in a driveway. Now there's a car or two in the driveway and one on the street with, yep. you know, the people that live in the house mm-hmm. and the kid. But I think, yeah, I think it's a very much a symbol of um, of freedom. Like when I was young, I remember getting, you know, riding my bike everywhere, obviously, but then mm-hmm. having and getting in the car and it's like, oh, my God, I can I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I can go. I can drive wherever I want, you know, yeah, it's and, awesome. And uh, and now nobody wants to fucking go anywhere. They just want to sit and yeah. play video games in their house. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably going to be the model is going to be, you know, everybody just you know step outside and step into a car when they have to go somewhere but otherwise everybody's just gonna sit and get fat and like just (laughs) completely melt into their couch yeah i can see a you know a young carl jumping in the in the camaro putting free falling on by tom petty and just (laughs) you know blasting down the road so i mean the the one thing the one thing i'm that i really and it might be just you know my generation might be one of the last generations i feel is like um just being outside just making sure that we get that outside time and everything and that's i'm not saying like eat all natural this and that like Mm -hmm. like we definitely i mean we need to eat better but Mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna start doing that but we're not gonna like go vegan and do all this like craziness Mm -hmm. but it's like just knowing and and letting and teaching the kids know how important it is just to be in nature to be mm-hmm. stressed at times to be mm-hmm. to not always win to not always uh to to learn from losing to and, and to just like cuz i think that's what one of the biggest pro- i don't mean to go into like the parenting no. podcast no. but it's like you know we have we have so many people that like we don't want our kids to like to stress out and we don't want them to be we want them to have a better life than we did but but also if we didn't go through the struggles that we did um we wouldn't be where we are or the hard work or the or the the uh the the times where we were told no you know it's we have to be able to be told no and i think we are in such a an era of yes, yes, you can have this. Yes, yes, this is perfect. Yes, this, this, yes. It's like, fuck, you're going to get everything that you want. And as soon as you get a no, you're going to crumble. Yeah. You, I, we're, I mean, as a parent, I think about this too, right? We're essentially running, raising a generation that can't handle what the, you know, can't handle adversity. So when mm-hmm. adversity hits, you know, I, <laughs> I'm sorry to say as a, as a graduate collegiate professor, I at least once a semester, I have a parent of a student call me. And to me, that is, you know, maybe an undergraduate for bachelors. But, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's, you know, seeking a, a doctor degree or a, or a master's degree and they're calling the professor, the parents calling the professor. <laughs> that's, that's really weird. So. It is kind of weird. I mean, do you think of yeah. you think of something or at least I think of something like that. It's like high school. It's yeah. like you have the high school. You, you call into the counter, whatever. It's like, huh? Yeah, it's it's weird, man. It's, it's it's going up. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So yeah, I had one guy I had it. Uh, I was talking to, and um, he was talking to me about it was like at at AutoZone. He worked for AutoZone, mm-hmm. and I was talking to him, and I was uh, he was like flipping through a catalog, and he was talking about his mom, and I was like, he had to have been like early thirties, had to have mm-hmm. been early thirties, 
and he was talking about his cats and his mom I was like he, i couldn't do it i couldn't still live at home like i just the, that's an, that was another freedom i got from moving away right after i got out of high school because i was like i gotta yeah. i just i need a different scene i need a different environment yeah. and i just need to be and i you know i moved away with no plan except for knowing that i uh know the manager of a paintball field slash mm-hmm. skate park and everything. And he was so kind enough to let me sleep on the floor of an extra bedroom that he had. And I was like, awesome. I'm in, I'm in, I'm just yeah. going to see what happens. I'm very much, I like to think things out, but I also, I mean, that's, that's another like kind of, I mean, it's not the greatest attribute, but I think it also why it might kind of, it, it, fires up my creativity is when I kind of mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. I, w- I want to see what happens and put myself in a certain situation and kind of just see what organically kind of comes forward. And I think that's why bringing it back to paintball, I think that's why I enjoy the, you know, the no layout thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and I love no layout. Yeah. Just kind of like, like feeling the chaos happen right away and trying to figure mm-hmm. it out quicker than the, you know, than the other guy or, mm-hmm. and, and I and it's just same thing with me moving away. It's like you don't know what's gonna happen, but you know that you know what you want. Mm-hmm. You know what you want. Now the journey from when you leave to where you wanna be is up to you. Like it's not up to you, but you have at least an idea. As long as you keep that idea in your head of that mm-hmm. that's what you wanna do, that's what you wanna be, the journey's gonna be crazy. But mm-hmm. if you just focus on so even like and all this doesn't matter because I just saw pictures of the James Webb telescope images yeah, that we just got. All this doesn't matter at all. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. Alien, aliens. Yeah. Oh, and they might not even be aliens. It could yeah. be us. It could yeah. be like when you think about it, I it it's literally hurting my brain. Because I, yeah. I was looking at the picture of the, the deep space photo. Yeah. yeah. And the galaxies among galaxies and galaxies are stars planets and all this shit like a galaxy and there are millions of galaxies in this picture and i'm like i just and for us to think and this is also this picture is also looking backwards in time yeah <laughs> so it's, it's humbling it's that, that's totally what I, that's exactly humbling. what I thought it's just a humbling experience so and it's i'm just i'm so grateful to where you know I have the ability to kind of sit back and look mm-hmm. at things like that and, and not mm-hmm. just and I'm, I'm not trying not to make this like too woo, like mm-hmm. woo or whatever. But you think about it and you think about the things you can control. Right. It's like you set forth, uh, you put your foot forward and you're like, no, I, OK, I want to go to school. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you set yourself a goal to mm-hmm. reach. And it was like, no matter what, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to be. And this is, you know, you went through the journey. You went through the years of schooling. Mm-hmm. And it obviously paid off for you. And um, I just, I try so much with people to have them. Uh, and then even into the field thing. I remember you talking about it. And it was mm-hmm. just, it was, you could have easily, easily given up at any any mm-hmm. point in time and washed your hands of it and you'd be fine, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But you were adamant on this is what you want to do and you want to bring something as high quality as what you're doing to Mm -hmm. the paintball community. And I just, I really think it's great. And, uh, it's just amazing the things that when people put their mind to it, uh, what can be accomplished? 
yeah, to me, it's it's always been the art of the possible. And, and I'm just curious, you know, just <laughs> to help me in the planning process. When when you made you, your first move was to Seattle from high yeah. school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you went to work at a park out there. And I, I know you've worked in the working industry in different parks. I was just curious, was it, you know, what was the coolest thing you saw and maybe the not coolest thing that you saw for a field to do? So not to put you on the spot. Just for curious. a field to do. Yeah. Um, so. I think one of the most amazing places that I did see was when um, the guy that I knew that moved out to Seattle was actually my ex uh, Tipman Effect coach had mm. moved out to Seattle because he was working for Boeing um, at the time. Okay, and right he I think he was going to law too out there, mm-hmm. I believe. Okay, and uh, Jason Casebolt and um, and he moved out there, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was like, ah, you know, I just trying to figure it out. And then him and I got a hold of each other. And next thing you know, I'm on a plane out to Seattle. Um, I didn't take anything with me. It was literally like my paintball gear and, and that's about it. Some clothes. Um, but the place he worked at was a multimillion dollar facility, indoor facility that in, uh, incorporated an indoor paintball field, almost full size, I believe, um, had poles though. Mm-hmm. from what I can remember. Um, a state-of-the-art Xbox gaming area with gaming rooms and uh, those big gaming chairs with the speakers yeah. in them and everything. And then also oh. had two or three uh, projection rooms that you could go into and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a an indoor full-size skate park that was attached to it that was that's pretty cool it was all skate light so it was like all the x games like material and everything was built in there and then he also had like this like the vend like a vending area and everything for like snacks and ice cream and shit and everything else and then a pro i believe there was a pro shop i think but yeah it was just um it was an amazing facility and then to them incorporate to incorporate paintball into that i think Mm -hmm. was uh and it was tournament paintball. It wasn't even oh, really. It wasn't rec ball. It was just straight mm-hmm. turf and air ball bonkers. Hmm. That's all. Did they play reball in there, or was it was it actual paintball? I know it was paintball for sure because that's where mm-hmm. that's where I actually met uh, the guys from the Naughty Dogs. Got it. Uh, they they played up there. I think on the initial opening of the place, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, I think they might have played reball too, but. Um, I think I, I only played paintball there. Yeah. So what yeah. was the not coolest thing that you've seen in a paintball field out of curiosity? So I cannot do that. Oh, <laughs> the not cool. Don't leave your bunkers out on the field. Ooh, that's good advice. Yeah. Make sure wash them all off and mm-hmm. bring them in, let them dry yeah. out and then hang them somewhere. That's Pando's advice. Like, <laughs> yeah. He made me swear. So. Yep. Because, because the, uh, I mean the the moment you forget about any bunkers or anything like that, there it's instantly going to just they're going to start seam leaks and just all kinds yep. of shit. And the last thing you want to do is deal with a field that only is half inflating. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I have another idea for you. Sure. Um, after this, it's a little secret okay. idea that I was thinking about putting, doing a patent for it, but Ooh. I um. I got to talk to you about it after this, but I sounds good. And it it has to deal with bunkers. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, please bring your bunkers in. Don't leave them out there because that's just throwing money away. Mm -hmm. Can do. And you would be just astonished at the price of 
um, hyperpipe right now. It's, it's oh yeah, you, know, you you think it's three x? It's probably like six to eight x. It's just wow. insane right now. So and you know other, I feel so fortunate to have gone you know on my kind of education tour before doing this, and like Jeff at X Factor, he gave me really some good ideas around segmenting your tournament population and your rental population. So that's why we actually have two buildings on opposite sides mm-hmm. of the parking lot to, to serve kind of both areas. It, it's funny. And, and I witnessed this as well. The rental groups, they roll up in their cars and usually there's four or five people per car, uh, tournament side. It's mm-hmm. all one people, one person per per car so <laughs> it just totally eats up your parking yeah. so you just have to think you know logistically how you're going to fix that so. yeah you should have uh you should have a sign on the tournament side that says be cool carpool yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> but on but what you should do because you but your uh what am i trying to say oh your pro shop and everything mm-hmm. that's going to be on in the bigger building right yep so what week. what you should do week. in that area because the rec ball the rec ball players are going to be walking by there and everything. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have a TV in there that's playing the, either the webcast or just paintball mm-hmm. videos in general. Yep, yep. My whole goal is to show kind of that ladder of uh, what does it look like to you know graduate from rec player to open play player to you know D five and and so on and so forth. And you know aspirationally, I'd love to have a program. You know, I love what like Dave built for example at Level Up that that. Started with a semi-pro team and had kind of that, and the farm does a good job of it too through D5, and then, you know, they they steadily just you know keep moving their players down the line. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I think we'd like to do something as well. So. I heard another um, another field idea that has always mm-hmm. worked well as far as just getting the players to shoot paint as far as mm-hmm. the rec players is putting in like a little target area. Oh yeah, like the having a little shooting range. Yeah. Yep, a little shooting range. And then you could even do one of these. This is probably a dumb idea. But, like, I always, always, always get asked whenever you talk about paintball, right? You're like, well, does it hurt? Yeah. You know, you always get asked that, right? You should have a little thing set up to where somebody doesn't have to play, but they can just go in this little booth and you can just (laughs) just shoot them. Like, I don't know. Does it hurt? (laughs) Like, yeah, okay. You can play. This is where you can Uh, choose whether or not you can play. That's hilarious. And then what, what we're offering, so we, we not only have the on-site experience, we have a mobile experience as well. So we can we can bring gel blaster and nerve, um, not paintball, um, to or airsoft to the actual um, to the actual uh, person's house, right? So mm-hmm. that way, you know, kind of meet them where they're at. And that that's kind of something that's stuck with me. And I've done this with my students as well, is just kind of meet them, meet them where they're at, wherever they're at, be there. So for example, we started a a discord um, for the sports park and we've got about I think 200 people in it right now um, it continues to grow but you know I've committed myself despite my schedule I'm in there gaming at least one night a week so you know I'll be in the I'm in the room so if people want to come pop in play games with me or give me feedback you know you love this about the park you know you need to improve this mm-hmm. um, I think just accessibility as an owner um, is is really really important so there's there's a lot of fields where you know, management has essentially been sourced to the field to one or two people and the owner never shows up. Yeah. That's not going to be me. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be there on a regular basis. So I want to hear that feedback. I don't want to continue to improve. Well, I mean, that shows you your character, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you want to be the boots on the ground and be able to adjust as needed directly from the source. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's good. And I think mm-hmm. you mentioned also you're going to be like live streaming cameras on the fields as well. Yeah. So we um, like on our X-Ball field. So we've uh, I'm big on infrastructure. I try and get everything in there during the construction phase. And then it makes you a lot easier to scale over time. So one of the things that we did, we not only roughed in um, power um water so we can wash down the bunkers on site Mm -hmm. but also uh, low voltage cabling so we we are actually running low voltage cabling Uh, we'll have cameras streaming uh, like for practices for example Um, those will be streamable uh, to to teams so that they can you know digest the results of the practice after the fact so that's that's part of the value proposition right for for playing playing at our place so yeah Get, there's all sorts of ideas, all all different ways to spend money. So I'd like to <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of different ways to spend money. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to <laughs> love to get some cash flow going first. Yeah, right. Spend more money. So well, it's gonna. But yeah, it's fun. When do you plan on opening? Um, so it was gonna be uh, in in a week, but you know the rain had had some other plans. Um, so it's now August sixth is uh, kind of our our opening weekend, which is still and, relatively close. Yeah, I mean it's I, I equate it to building a house when COVID started, you know, trying to build this while inflation's going absolutely rampant, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to, to, you know, stretch that dollar as far as possible. And, and, you know, one of the things that we really did and spent a lot of time on is we graded the entire field to where it drains. So when it rains, there's no puddles. You're not splashing in puddles anywhere. Everything drains. There's, you know, big drainage ditches. It carries all the water off off the side. So I wanted it to drain like a golf course. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we, what we built. Um, but you know, when you're doing that much grading, we, we moved 69,000 cubic yards of dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of dirt. Um, that's a lot of dirt. That's, that's a lot of diesel fuel too. And when your yeah. diesel fuel, <laughs> you price it at this and it's five X and it, yeah. it adds up pretty quick. So when yeah, do you see, when are you predicting a return, um, from the field? Um, so I think we'll be, our note will be fully paid off in three to five years. Um, and, and that's because we're not, you know, taking anything from it. We're trying mm-hmm. to put as much back, back in. So, um, I'm keeping my day job, um, uh, continuing to do, do that kind of work and just, just put everything to either enhance the experience for the consumer, expose more people to it. Again, we're right on a highway. Um, we're equidistant between, Missouri's second largest city in St. Louis and third largest city in, in Columbia, which is where the kind of the large university is, um, Mizzou, which mm-hmm. our colors are based on. And uh, so I, I would say three to five years, we're just going to, you know, invest in it and for a better experience and invest to just pay the note down, roll in the land outright. Um, and then, you know, nobody can take it away. So. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to increase your rate on yourself. Or your exactly. rent on yourself, yeah. rather. Yeah, but for the future field owners, absolutely own the land. And a fast follow to that is figure out zoning ahead of time and make sure that it's nothing that, that there's special use permits out there. But it, especially like agri, you can get an agricultural zoning with a special use permit. They can yank that permit. So um, it's it's not fun to invest that much time and money into something and then have someone tell you you can't use it for your intended use. It's, mm. it's just not cool. So. Yeah. Jeez. Did, uh, did you ever end up finding your head of paintball operations? I 
did. So um, uh, we've got both our um, director of Airsoft and director of Paintball fully staffed um, right now. There, you know, we've got our got our chat going, and we're essentially trying to figure out what what that first day is gonna gonna look like. You know, I, you can expect some bumps here and there, mm-hmm. but we're trying to plan out as as much as possible. So now, is your opening day is that going to be um, mainly? rec ball fields or are you going to have a tournament field open uh we'll have at least one tournament field open uh possibly two um it's kind of crazy setup so you you can see what we have on the on the cartoon drawing or a cartoon layout that's on our uh, all over our site but we have this kind of secret area <laughs> um that's essentially room enough for for five x-ball five man x-ball fields kind of back to back to back um so we want that grass to grow so we're probably not going to touch that for a while um but we are going to have um you know an airball field up we may run a second airball field up on what's eventually going to be uh, a hyperball field mm-hmm. uh, one crazy thing that we are doing um uh, on our field because we had to grade everything so of course you know no surprise when you grade everything the grass goes away it takes a while for the grass to come back yada 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 so we're um uh we're actually going with like a wheat to to that because it sprouts very quickly it's used heavily in the construction industry uh just to stop the erosion and we're we're actually using uh golf course irrigation and we'll have fully irrigated fields so um that'll not only help the grass grow quickly but it'll also uh, so paintballs made out of you know peg, so uh, it helps break down paintballs that much quicker. So, hmm. I wonder if they're going to uh, if they're going to look at making paintballs even more biodegradable, like have them break down quicker. And because I mm-hmm. see it, they stick around for a while though. They do. It's better than it used to be though. I mean, no, I honestly, it. like when we had the oil-based paint kind of back in the day, peg's yeah. been been a big game changer, but. Um, I know that one of the biggest exporters of PEG is it's either Russia or the Ukraine. It's one of, one of the two, and oh, you know what's perfect. going on over there right now. So there's there's a national shortage of of PEG going on. So I think that maybe incentivizes some of the paint manufacturers to use less PEG and maybe more starch in the ball. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens. Would that make a more brittle ball? I think it, I think it actually increases the, and I'm no paint manufacturer, so I, I would assume it would um, increase the um, uh, stiffness of the ball. So it might might make it bounce more. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's not my jam. I know more starch is used in like field painting, for example. More peg is going to be used in like a like a tournament ball, like Evil, for example. So yeah. Crazy. So yeah, yeah. So are those are those um, on your wall above you? Are those mm-hmm. uh, golf flags? Oh yeah. So um, I'm not a great golfer, but I had the had the uh, pleasure of, of going to some golf tournaments. One's a Ryder Cup. It's awesome. One's uh, the Masters, which was my favorite. Uh, you know, the coolest thing about going to the Masters is. Um, I, I, in our kind of family tree, we have actually someone who, uh, in, in my hometown, had had won the Masters in 1968. So um, we we were able to to go and and he would take us and actually see the behind the scenes uh, oh, really? thing within the, in the clubhouse. So I've I've been in Augusta National's clubhouse. It was awesome, and 
you know, just look over there and like Phil Mickelson was right there. It was just like the, the coolest experience. And when you go into the masters, the really cool thing is that they, they've kept all the pricing from when the masters first started. So like a sandwich is like 10 cents or 15 cents or something like that. And like a water is like, you know, three cents. And it's just like the coolest experience. Cause it's Jeez. so cheap. So yeah, now a sandwich is a hundred dollars and the uh, yeah. water is $30. Exactly. So, and, and you see like, you know, field owners and shout out to the field owners group too, who helped me and answer some questions. It's, it's like, you know, everyone's had to raise their prices and you know, what, why is trucking costs are just astronomical right now. And you just got to think of, um, you know, what the supply chain looks like from, from soup to nuts, you know, it, it takes, like shipping a container from China, it used to cost like $3,000. Now it's, you know, $18,000. It's just like, you know, we've got to figure out how to, how do you fix that? Be able to deal with that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm no economist. Um, I just play one on TV, but <laughs> I think for me, the issue is what we're still seeing in my mind is that, um, um, uh, there are some countries like, Canada, for example, there, there's still some large quarantine policies in place. And I know China's got those quarantine policies in place so that if, uh, let's say you test positive, you can't come back to work when you test negative. You have to stay out all two weeks. So um, uh, so that's, you know, decreased the amount of workforce that's available to have the ability to kick out goods. So mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, I'm kind of apolitical. I'm more of a, <laughs> a U.S. fan <laughs> <laughs> got kind of any any political party so it's um it's just really really interesting times right now and um you know i think there's going to be another federal rate rate hike it'll be a, probably a large rate hike because inflation hasn't been um stemmed so far um so i think there's going to have to be another meaningful message sent so my advice would be if you're going to buy a house uh, lock down that mortgage uh, as soon as you can um but of course there's a short supply of houses so there's this you know escalating you know if you went to put an offer on in a house right now you're probably competing with five to ten other offers i would think that's insane well i mean that we are talking about selling our house just because we know it would probably sell um immediately immediately and for mm-hmm. way more than what we paid mm-hmm. for it i mean we don't really owe hardly anything on it but mm-hmm. but it's definitely not worth what we heard it would be worth I'm like, yeah. are you? wow okay um then you got to buy another. But one. then you got to buy a house. That's <laughs> like, oh, all right. Well, you know, so I'm not excited to get into the market about it, but I also know that having two bedrooms and four people is uh, is tough. Yeah. But I don't know what else we're gonna do. I mean, it's Good just, luck. yeah, it's insane. You could live off the grid. I could. Yeah. <laughs> we just and, and... buy a, a mobile camper and just uh, yeah. <laughs> just travel. No property taxes. That's true. <laughs> and, and, you know, I kind of, I look at myself as, as kind of different within the industry because I try and live at the intersection of like technology and paintball. So I just try and think of like from a technology perspective, you know, look at all the, all the sports like, you know, Moneyball, for example, all the data analytics that have gone to that. So how can we take the same lessons from like Moneyball and extrapolate that into paintball or, you know, what technology can we have to, to, 
you know, further enable the pros to have more situational awareness on the field. So is it maybe like a body counter on the, the hopper or something like that? So I was just kind of curious from a technology perspective, is there anything that you wish you had as a pro player that we could either work on or kind of think about? Or I don't want to give any inventions away, but. No, I mean, no, I always thought that there, we should, a body count on the scoreboard mm-hmm. would be cool. I thought a, a body mm-hmm. count on the scoreboard would be cool. I thought a light on top of the scoreboard and a light on top of the opposing netting on the 50 so that Mm -hmm. like let's say you are on the one side where you can't see the scoreboard like you can at least go Mm -hmm. off of the light or whatever it is i don't think there should be a countdown from either 10 seconds or five or whatever i think it's 10 seconds i don't think there should be a countdown um, I think it should just go 10 seconds and then and then you everyone is physically waiting and listening for the uh-huh. 10 for the for the final buzzer instead of like guessing whether or not that and I think the pro horn should be different than all the other fields mm-hmm. because I feel like there would be less jumps I feel like there would be less jumps if we didn't have a like a, a countdown uh beeps and if the pro horn was slightly different, the go horn was slightly different mm-hmm. than the other fields. I feel like we would have left less jumps. Not like there's a jumping problem. I probably have more of a problem. <laughs> but but I'm just saying I think it would be – I don't know. I don't think it's necessary to have a fucking countdown from 10 seconds yeah. before we go. I think just let it be organic. Like you hear 10 seconds and you're like, all right, mm-hmm. you fucking get ready or you're not going to be ready. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. What if it's like a bracelet that shocks you when you can go or something like that? Is this, you know, some uh, haptic feedback? Is that something you'd want or not really? Haptic feedback? No. Mm-hmm. I think I think it would be cool. Like, and I think loaders, there are prob- probably some loaders that do this already. But I think, and, and it might be just light indicated, is when mm-hmm. you're like, when the tray is almost empty or something like that, mm-hmm. like have the loader actually make a noise. And mm-hmm. Because sometimes you, you're you're here with your marker, yeah. you don't yeah. necessarily see the lights flashing right. or whatever on the back of your loader. Right. Like I'm not sitting like this with the loader in front of my face. It's yeah. usually you want like something auditory. Exactly. Like just yeah. give me like yeah. some kind of little chirp or something like that, to where it like lets me know that I'm low on pain. This is probably already stuff that's out there. Honestly, mm-hmm. I just don't know it. But mm-hmm. I think that would just be kind of a cool idea i don't need my marker to tell me hello every time it turns on (laughs) or something i'd rather have a lower thing what about like comms in your mask instead of yelling would that be a better experience yeah or do you like the yelling yeah i like the yelling (laughs) because it makes it very it makes it feel very like rudimentary because Mm -hmm. it's like we're all in this small field it's only five guys Mm -hmm. um and i feel like the yelling on the field makes you pay attention more to what's going on. I feel like if you had audio in your mask, you would kind of, you would, it take, it would take you out of the moment a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there, for me, it's, it, Cole Roberts has brought this up, right? I think there's definitely a possibility of, again, in the whole choose your own adventure mind of being able to select which player you want to see, maybe like a cam, <laughs> what they're looking mm-hmm. at, and then hear what they're saying. And, you know, maybe scroll through the different players and see, you know, the different points of view that they have in addition to the webcast might be cool. So, 
Yeah, there are definitely ideas that I have for the webcast that I think they should do. Um, mm -hmm. I am not a big fan of like first person, like first person videos of people playing yeah. paintball. Shaky. I feel like yeah. I feel like it's shaky. Even the ones that are not shaky, I feel like it's just not. I don't. I don't like watching that. I like watching body language of players. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like to see what they're seeing and shooting because it's like it's you it's i play paintball i already know what that is like mm -hmm. right i like seeing the way people play paintball from a third person perspective um rather than from what they're seeing uh because i can gather that i can gather that and create that in my mind as i see them play throughout the field mm -hmm. or throughout the point rather um so i like seeing them from like, like a third person point of view mm -hmm. That's all the innovations I can think of. Um, you know, the, the, there's got to be some more, you know, just be able to share situational awareness from like maybe one gun to another. You know, maybe it's like on a heads up display. Oh, this guy's reloading. I need to cover this lane while this guy's, re you know, th there's got to be some more that we can do. You know, I've also looked at, um, you know, trying to from a data analytics standpoint, trying to have some probability on what team is going to go where based on on previous data. Right. So mm -hmm. how do we instead of using like hand checklists for that and, you know, watching every game, how do we use cameras for that and aggregate that data so that we can, we can share that. So, or you might not even need uh, cameras. You can probably just make mm -hmm. an app where you can create the field or upload the field into the app where it's just, mm -hmm. it could literally be just a, a top down 2d photo uh, grid of not the grid. It can just actually just be the bunkers and you can say, or it doesn't. It doesn't even need to be like the layout. It can just literally be Dorita, or you know, just be the names of the bunkers or pictures or whatever. But it might be better if it's the actual layout because you gotta might not know what you're talking about. But um, you can just click, like let's say you can you can scroll through the points. One you go through point one all the way to the end of the game. But then what you'd be able to do is what you could do is um, you could click each bunker that the players went to. And then you could yep. just, that'll be that data for that point. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. as they go through, you can put in secondaries if you want, because I mean, you mm -hmm. can follow the game. But if you just want breakout data, you could just do a yep. simple like five clicks on whatever bunkers, they'd be mm -hmm. highlighted. And then you can hit an arrow that'll bring you, that'll erase that, save it. And then at the end of the game, you can calculate it. And then like maybe it'll be the picture of that side of the field with a percentage mm -hmm. on the inside of the bunkers mm -hmm. on how many times, you know, players went they to made that. it. They made yeah. it. They or yep. they just went to it. Or they um, went to it. Yep. Exactly. You know, and then if you want to go further into it, you can also add um if you can see it clear enough from your the player side or from from the uh the stand side rather, you can add a number of each player who goes to that and then you could add the number to the percentage that goes to the bunker. And mm. number 12 goes to this bunker 20% of the time, blah, 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 and just enter in a bunch of data. I don't know how quickly that would be yeah. rather than just putting players going to the positions. Um, I don't know. I mean, that might be a thing. 
I can't. Yeah, I don't I mean, know how to code, so I can't create that. At the at the collegiate level, we've done some work, you know, with our like women's bowling team. So you know, you got four bowlers. So based on who they're bowling against, based on probability and past performance, what four people do you bowl in what order against them? Mm-hmm. Um, we've done that work, or like in volleyball, for example, what setter do you pair with what spiker? You know, which which one has the 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 best data outcome based on that. And I think that those are all lessons learned that can be applied to paintball. We're just not, not there yet. Cause we don't have the data. So, yeah. Yeah. I've always been intrigued at like finding ways to, uh, help incentivize players to make big moves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I yep. brought up the whole advantage bunker thing or yep. just ways. Idea. I mean, I would love to see it kind of play out, right. I would mm-hmm. love to see it, uh, actually put forth on a field and have timers going the only thing is that you're going to have to have somebody dedicated to a button and a timer and to that specific advantage bunker Mm -hmm. because you're going to have to have somebody as soon as somebody makes a move into that bunker you start it right you start that countdown clock or whatever it is the shot clock and then they have to be ready to like to to stop the clock and reset it if they get shot out or whatever it is Mm -hmm. or or if they're in for the 20 seconds or 15 30 whatever it is to hit the horn and that's the point for that team because mm-hmm. they made it into the advantage bunker and lived mm-hmm. um, yeah i'd love to i'd love to prototype that out you know I, I think as as field owners it's kind of incumbent upon us to take ideas like the advantage bunker and see how it works it, it's kind of like what the federal government does so they allow states to pass certain laws like cannabis laws right now mm-hmm. so it's still illegal at the federal level but they've allowed just you know states to experiment with that they look at states as experimental labs and you know what works from the state level bubbles up to the federal level that's why you know i think cannabis being legal is gonna gonna happen probably you know five-ish years from now at, at the most but um i think as field owners what's cool is we can experiment with those same things figure out what works and that bubbles up to nxl and, and maybe they'll try it so mm-hmm. yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping that it doesn't make it too complex too much more complicated than what it already is um, there's probably more logistics side. And, and I was asked like, how do you practice for it? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you don't because you, you don't, don't know what, you don't know what bunker is going to be the advantage mm-hmm. bunker. And that way you don't really worry about it until you get to the field and you see which one's the advantage bunker. And then you just kind of play it as it is. And if you get the chance, mm-hmm. play the advantage bunker or get to it or use it to your advantage or, mm-hmm try and keep guys out of yours and it's just constantly circulating throughout different bunkers and mm-hmm. it's just i don't know it's just kind of fun yeah it's good stuff man we'll see well hey man i yeah. am extremely excited for the field to come out and and Thanks, uh man. to to be released into the wild world and have people come <laughs> down from all over the place and uh and enjoy the park i can't wait to see it to play at it it's going to be amazing um i really tip my hat to you for for the amount of dedication that and prep work that you did before you broke ground. Um, Thanks, man. It's, it just really, truly shows kind of, you know, how dedicated you are and where your heart is during this whole thing. Appreciate it. And, you know, for me, at the end of the day, life's, life's short. Take take risks. Um, and look us up at, uh, at GG Sports Park. So, appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. Well, um, hopefully I'll see you soon. Cool. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Have a good one, Dustin. You too. Bye. Bye.
Dustin, brother, thank you. Much appreciated, man. I wish you the best of luck with the field and all the projects, all the many projects that you have going on. Um, and and thank you for all the help. Uh, the has been just endless gratitude from me, man. I, I, I just appreciate it. And, um, and I know that everybody else uh, is going to try and support the field and help out any way possible. And it's going to be great, man. I, I can't wait to see it in person. It's, uh, it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, make sure you guys go and check it out. Uh, Good Game Sports Park. If you are looking f- in the St. Louis area for somewhere to play and uh, have your head completely blown off uh, f- figuratively and maybe literally, depending on you know how good you are at paintball. But um, it's just it's mind blowing the amount of paintball fields and everything that is going to be at this facility. So check them out. Get there if you can, if you're in the area, or make an excursion of it and go with your friends. Take a road trip. Uh, Yes, but thank you, Dustin. Another quick thank you to our sponsors. Melovio CBD is what you need. Make sure you check them out. M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O.com and you can try all of their products. I'm still working through them all, uh, but I have enjoyed everything and it's really helped out and it will for you. Uh, I am a big fan of the tinctures and the topical salve. Helps out a ton with the knees, shoulders, joints, pains. Trust me, try it out. You'll enjoy it. And if you want 15% off your entire order, capital T-P-O-P. And also a big thank you goes to Charm City Paintball. The head game guru, Mike Thompson, bringing it at you right in your face with some headgear that, frankly, is all handmade by Mike. He has some that is uh, that are made that he makes himself custom, and you can find all of those on his Facebook and Instagram, Charm City Paintball. And uh, make sure you shoot him a message. Let him know that Carl from the Playing On Podcast sent you over there and you're looking for something special. And I'll give it to you. Why am I doing that? I have no idea. I mean, I'm thirsty. Mm. And finally, to H2K, I can't even say my own company. H2KPaintball.com. All the swag over there. Check it out. We are constantly building the site and putting on product. Um, we have so many projects in the mix. Uh, they are coming out relatively soon, and our uh, our debut—I um, don't want to say project—but our debut thing will be coming out very, very soon. Hopefully, debuting in Chicago. But make sure you keep an eye out. It might be out before then. Who knows? We'll see. Yes. It's late. I'm tired. Thank you all for joining me. I appreciate it so much. And uh, we're going to be doing these more and more. And please let me know. Give me your feedback on who you want to see on the on the show. And um, I'm just going to keep cruising, man. I'm, uh, you know, this whole one man show thing is, is, uh, is where it's at. Here am I. Here I am. Here am I. Can't even talk. All right. I'm going to go to bed. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate the support. Please don't text and drive. And uh, keep your eyes on the road. Listen to podcasts like this one. 
and we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. <laughs>